Ooh, it's good to see you all the time. The Lord is good. Amen. Well, get your Bibles today because we're going to jump back into the Word of God. And let me just say while you're turning to the book of Matthew, if you're looking for a place to get a great theological education, uh, our Church on the Rock network of pastors here, uh, we have given birth to East Texas Church on the Rock and Theological, East Texas Church on the Rock uh, College, uh, Bible College, and uh, uh, theological seminary. It's connected with SUM University or SUM College. Uh, and it's, 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 hey, if you know anybody who wants to plug in, it's a Monday night and it doesn't take, you can get a full, a full four year accredited degree in three years going on Monday night and doing uh, a, a few small things during the week. And so it's a great opportunity to get a spirit filled, uh, 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 education that will empower you into the ministry. So if you know somebody, there's packets out there on the table. And everybody love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Are you in Matthew? If you're in Matthew, say, I'm there, Pastor. Now, I, I've never, I don't think, I taught last Wednesday night in flip-flops, but I don't think I've ever preached in flip-flops. So uh, I, I don't know if I'll, it, if I'll stumble and fall. I don't know. I maybe better be still. But uh, after, at the close of the service, I want to get a group photo. I don't want to see your face, but we're all going to put our feet out and somebody's going to take our picture and all our flip-flops together. So, so all the flip-flop people said, amen. All right, here we go. We're going to keep talking about the Jesus journey, learning to follow Jesus 24-7. We began last Sunday, and I would encourage you once again to go. If you missed last Sunday, it's an important foundational part of what we're saying so you go to our website, you can uh, watch the video, uh, you, can, you can download the podcast, there's a lot of things you can do to get us and, and uh, get this, that first message under your belt, and so we can stay focused on the Jesus journey and learn to follow Him 24-7. We looked at the, I think there's five or six pl places where Jesus said, five places in Matthew, and I believe this is all encompassing when you look in all the Gospels, five places where Jesus said, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And so Jesus boldly invited people to follow him. Uh, and then he would challenge them in the journey, and, and he didn't necessarily make it easy for them to follow him. How many of you know, uh, we learned this last, last week, the common thread with all five of those in Matthew, there was a common thread with all five invitations from Jesus to follow me. The first one is in Matthew 4, where he, where Peter and Andrew, it was Simon and Andrew then, and then James and John, he said, follow me, uh, and they left their nets. And so, and then Matthew and uh, uh, the tax collector, he just walked away from a, from a lucrative business. And one disciple and scribe, he said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. And, uh, and then the disciples, he said, you know, if you want to follow me, you got you to gotta lay down your life and, 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 uh, and take up your cross and come and follow me. Everybody say, follow me. So we learned last week, pardon me, last Sunday, that the common thread with all five of those is what? Sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. The reality is that there's some things we've got to lay down in order to follow Him 24-7. And I said this last Sunday. I said a lot of people are trying to get Jesus to follow them and to, and, and to bless them and to go with them wherever they go and deliver them out of all their messes and all that stuff. Listen, Jesus didn't say, I'll follow you. He said, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. 
So last Sunday, that was where we kind of started, and I want to look uh, uh, at that and, and a few more things this morning. Last week, we looked and we thought, we said, what would cause people to do that? What would, what would cause them to sacrifice? And we looked at the follow me factor, and why would they lay it all down and walk off the job, in a sense, and begin to follow Jesus? What would make somebody do such a thing. Well, we, we looked at the life of Peter because he was kind of the ringleader of the follow me crowd because, uh, uh, and he had some insight and, and we looked at a couple of passages of scripture, Matthew 16 and John 6. Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, he said this, he said, uh, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're this, some say you're that, but well, then he said, who do you say that I am? Well, Peter popped up. Everybody say Peter popped up. Peter popped up and he said this. He said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. We know who you are. And that's what caused Simon's name to change to Peter. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, he had a revelation of who Jesus was. And what would cause anybody to leave anything and sacrifice it's the reality of who Jesus is, the, the Son of God. In fact, in John 6, when he started talking about hard sayings, and, uh, you know, he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Not a very popular message, you know. They didn't understand. And the Bible says from that time, many of them uh, uh, left him and followed him no longer. They couldn't handle the hard sayings. And so Jesus looked at his disciples, the, just a the few left there, and he said, well, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, well, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of, of eternal life. He said, and we've come to believe and to know that you are the Christ. We've come to believe and to know. We know something on the inside that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So understand something. Uh, until we have a revelation of who Jesus is, we'll always be flip-flopping back and forth with whether we're going to serve God or not. How many of you don't want to flip-flop in your Christian life? And today in this room, there's flip-floppers. There are people that, you know, when you're with your, your uh, the, when you're with your homies or when you're with your bros or, or you, or the gang, you're, you live one way. And when you come to church and hang around, you live another way. You're back and forth. Listen, the Bible says, uh, in fact, he, he says you're either Lord of all or you're not, he's not Lord at all. And so we've got to come to the place where, where we have a revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the Christ. Everyone say, He is the Christ. Say, He's the Son of the living God. And the Son of the living God today in this room, in this house, through this old bow-legged flip-flop preacher, not that I'm flip-flopping. In fact, I had a friend of mine text me this morning. He said, don't you be flip-flopping from the pulpit. You be steady as she goes. And I said, I will. I'm not going to flip-flop. I'm steady. Everyone say, He is the Christ the Son of the living God. And so that's what caused them to be able to do that. Why would Matthew leave probably a multi-million dollar uh, a year business, the equivalent thereof, just to follow Jesus? When, in fact, Jesus told one in one of these illustrations, he said, you want to follow me? The Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. And so they figured out who Jesus was. And once we have that revelation, following him will not be the big issue. 
And so with that in mind today, let's, let's move in a little closer. I'm going to give you seven biblical written and read follow me facts. Everyone say follow me facts. They're all written and read. Seven written and read follow me facts uh, about this uh, this factor of following Jesus that we should all know. And it's a fact. Everyone say it's a fact. Listen, a fact is an indisputable truth. I've come to believe and know, as Peter came to believe and know that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. I've come to believe and know that what I hold in my hand is the Word of God. It is not just a history book, it's His story. And, and it's true and righteous altogether. And when you read the red and when you read through it, you can say, you know what? This is all God's Word. And it is true from the front to the back, from the left to the right. And so today I want to give you some facts. I remember, who was it in the old, uh, the, he said, just the facts, ma'am. I'm going to give you the facts. Everybody appreciate the facts. And here they are. Some facts about following Jesus 24-7. Number one, the first fact that you and I need to realize and embrace this morning, that following Jesus 24-7 is primarily relational. He wants to have a relationship with us. The Christ, the Son of the living God wants to spend time with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. A lot of people, uh, uh, they react and they relate to Christ uh, like He's the boss, and He is the boss. He is Lord, but listen, he, he's, a, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and let me just say, He wants to have a relationship with you. In fact, one of the early uh, uh, directives that He told His disciples in, Ma- in, pardon me, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, He says, And He appointed the twelve that they might be with Him. And then He said that they might preach the kingdom and all that. But the first, listen, the first priority of following Jesus 24-7 is relationship. He wants to have a genuine relationship with you. And listen, and so we've got to understand that and embrace that. In fact, I love Matthew 22. Some of the religious people ask him, what's the greatest commandment? They thought they were going to catch him in a, in a slip up. They're going to catch him in a theological, uh, quandary and twist the scriptures around on him. They said, what's the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, 37 and 40. I'll kind of try to quote it. He said, well, the first commandment, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What's that? It's a relationship. And if we're going to follow Jesus 24-7, we've got, to, we've got to have a real relationship with Jesus in a very real way. And he said, and then the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's all about what? Relationship. Thank you, Jim. And so, hey, following Jesus 24-7, it becomes a lot easier when you just realize, hey, he wants to spend time with me. He wants to fellowship with me. He wants to be my friend. <laughs> Pardon me, that sticks closer than a brother. One of the big ways we build relationship with Jesus is at the place of prayer. We just talk to Him. Some have got religious with our prayer life and the disciples said, you know, teach us to pray. And in Matthew 6, He taught us how to pray. We call it, somebody call it the Lord's Prayer. It was really better a model prayer. And I'm not going to teach on the model prayer. But, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's all about relationship and spending time with God. A lot of people's prayer time is more like a staff meeting. 
Well, we got to go to prayer because it's staff meeting time. We got to, we got to get the business of the day in order. And so I got to pray because, you know, I'm a part of the kingdom and we got to get this straight. So I got to get in the presence of God so, so I can get all the, all the things I'm supposed to do. And I don't want to be, you know, you know, out of sync with what he wants. Hey, listen, prayer is much more than a staff meeting. It's a relationship. And so this morning, I just simply want to encourage you, for you that are, are, are looking at the reality that if you're going to follow Jesus 24-7, you've got to build a relationship with Jesus. And He's got to become your friend that sticks closer than a brother. He told His disciples the first thing. He said, first thing, just be with me. Let's just hang out together. Somebody give somebody a fist bump say, come on, let's just hang out together. Let's spend some time together. Let's, let's be friends. Amen. And did you know Jesus looked at His disciples and some of them, in fact, Jesus had a best friend. Did anybody know that? John was his official best friend, and then he had, and then he had the three, which is uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, and then he had the twelve, and then he had the seventy, and then he had the the multitudes, and and so he had friends that that stuck with him. And John, his best friend, is really the only one that stuck with him through his hard place called Calvary. Amen. It's primarily relational. Amen. And so this week, listen, start building your relationship with Jesus. He wants to spend time with you. It's not like coming into the principal's office. <laughs> he wants to spend time with you. He's not there ready to thump you. He's not ready there. Hey, you might need correction, but hey, all of our friends, we, we, we sharpen one another. And so it's primarily relational. Following Jesus 24-7 is primarily relational. Number two, it's personally transformational. God, when you start following Jesus 24-7, it will begin to transform your life. He will, he will change you. What did he say in Matthew 4-19 to the disciples? He said, if you'll start following me, I'll make you, there's transformation, I'll transform you, I'll make you into fishers of men. That's transformational. And listen, you can't change yourself. Have you ever been able to, to, to change anybody, really? Come on. You hadn't changed. Let me tell you something. Jesus, when you start following Him, things will begin to change in your life. And if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it, it, hey, just turn over there. I'm going to quote some, but I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this about those who give their life to Christ or those who are in Christ. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everyone say in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everyone say new creation. That means really a whole new species of being. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then he says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, listen, it's a total transformation of our person and our priorities in our life. He wants to change you into his image. He wants to transform the priorities of your life from me to he. Everyone say from me to he. 
It's a transformation. And when you began to follow him, things began to change in your life. I look at Peter. He's my great illustration. He was a lousy fisherman, but he was a dynamic evangelist and, and church planter. When God began to transform his life and get up all in his business and, and began to touch his life and change his life and fill him with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, he gets up a transformed man and boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus. Christ and people are born again by the thousands. I'm telling you, He wants to transform your life. And He'll do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You yield to the Holy Spirit. That's why He told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem till you have the power of the Holy Spirit because that's transformational in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that we are being transformed into His image. From glory to glory, He wants to change our lives. Amen. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's personally transformational. Amen. That's exciting to me. How many of you can say, Pastor, there's some things in my life that need to change? Raise your hand. Hey, start following Jesus 24-7. And let me tell you something. About everything in your life will begin to change. If you flip-flop, everybody say, not supposed to flip-flop. If you flip-flop, you get stuck back and forth, back and forth, and, and nothing changes. It's personally transformational. Number three, when you begin to follow Jesus 24-7, it's blatantly confrontational. Everyone say confrontational. It's blatantly confrontational. You need to understand something. There's some things that begin to you begin to be confronted with. In fact, if you look in Matthew chapter 8 verse 19, uh, Jesus was very confrontational uh, with, with those who said, we'll follow you. He said, listen, you need to understand, first thing, uh, I don't have any place to lay my head. And the other guy said, well, let me go home and my dad, uh, and let me bury my dad. Doesn't say he was sick. What he was basically saying is, I'm taking care of my daddy. And when he dies, I'll come follow you. Now, this sounds cold, but Jesus was very confrontational with him and said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. And listen, when we are faced with the reality of following Jesus 24-7, there's some things that we are confronted with. The follow me factor will always confront some things in our life. Number one, it'll confront the selfish nature of our will. Our selfish nature will be confronted with the reality that if I'm going to follow Jesus, oh, by the way, what did Jesus tell the disciples in Matthew 16? He said this. He said, uh, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. It's not about you. And so that's very confrontational and Many of us in this room, even today, were confronted. I'll never forget when I, we began to, when Purpose Driven Life came out, and I was hitting that pretty hard years and years ago. We're still, and, and I would quote that first, I'd still do a lot. The first line of Purpose Driven Life says, it's not about you. And I, I, I kept hammering that. And I, I remember one day, somebody got up all in my business, and they said, it is about me sometimes, Pastor. It is about me. I said, okay, all right, whatever you want. But if you're going to come follow Jesus, it's not about you. If you want to flip, flip-flop, it might be about you every other day. But if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to be confrontational. You're going to have, in fact, Jesus was faced with that reality when he was in the garden praying, as it were, great sweat, drops of blood. He was sweating, as it were, great uh, drops of blood. And he said, uh, 
If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Three times he prayed that. And three times he got the same response. This is the will of God. Jesus, in a sense, though he was perfect, he was all man, and but he was all God. And he had a, he had a nature within him like man. And he was faced with the reality that I've got to say to myself and my will, this is not my will. Nevertheless, not, nevertheless, not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, following Jesus 24-7 is blatantly confrontational. And we're faced with the reality of, uh, uh, of being confronted with our selfish nature, but then kind of as you move through it, it's confrontational not only with our selfish nature, but with the forces of evil, the satanic forces of evil. Listen, they don't want you following Jesus 24-7. And they will confront you. The powers of darkness will confront you. The satanic forces of evil, in fact, all throughout Scripture we see, especially in the New Testament, and gosh, through the Old Testament, there's a spirit realm that is trying to resist the purpose of God in the earth. The devil doesn't want you following Jesus 24-7, and he will do whatever he can to keep you from that. And so when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus 24-7, and I'm not going to flip-flop any longer, you're going to be faced with the reality that there's a spiritual battle going to heat up in your life. Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Even Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. And he just kept quoting the word. Everybody said the word of God will work every time. But following Jesus 24-7 is blatantly confrontational. And not only will we be confronted with our selfish nature and satanic forces, but we'll be confronted with the systems of religiosity in the earth that'll try to resist that call of God on your life. In fact, Jesus walked through it. In fact, Matthew 23, if you read through Matthew 23, he's dealing with the religious order of the day. And he said, he said, woe unto you. Everybody said, woe unto you. Listen, you don't want to hear that from Jesus. He was confronting the religiosity of their lives and the, and the religious nature of their life that had no real relationship with Jesus. Listen, hey, the, uh, if you got religion without relationship, you're just old dead men's bones. In fact, he called them whited sepulchers. You're whitewashed walls. You're dead. And listen, some of us got a whole lot of religion, but not much relationship. You'll be confronted with the reality of that in your life and be able to come, have to come to the place where say, I don't want religion. I want a real relationship with Jesus. Hey, following him 24 seven. It's primarily relational. It's personally transformational, but it is blatantly confrontational. And, and then, uh, number four, it's inherently controversial. When you start following Jesus 24 seven, it will stir up controversy. Christianity has always been controversial. An OMG, when a politician gets up who is born again and starts talking about the reality of Christianity, it becomes highly confrontational and certainly controversial because, oh, when they realize, in fact, did you know Jesus said this? He said, the only way to get to heaven is through me. How many of you know that's controversial today? 
As a Christian, we stand up and we say, hey, listen, there's no way uh, you're going to get to heaven. In fact, it's con- it was controversial in, jo- in John chapter 6 when, when he started to say, I am the bread of life. You're going to have to partake of this bread. You're going to have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. Oh, that's very controversial. OMG, what's he talking about? And so when you, when you say, listen, if you just flip-flop, listen, if you flip-flop through life, you will stir up no controversy. Easy come, easy go. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Devil's not going to bug you because you just kind of flip-flopping and just kind of got one of those milk toast kind of uh, relationships or, or walk with God where you're in out one day and out the other and you don't want to offend anybody and you don't want to, you know, God bless you. God loves everybody. And, you know, uh, in fact, let me just say this. All roads do lead to God, but only one road gets you into heaven. Because the Bible says we'll all stand before him. But only those who have gone through Calvary will get into eternity with Christ. Are you with me? And that's controversial. And when you say, listen, when you begin to live a life that says, I'm going to follow him 24-7. Yes, you'll be, it'll be confrontational, but it'll be controversial. All your friends will go, what are you doing? I don't understand that. How come you don't go with us and do that? How come you don't? And it'll be controversy in your life. But understand something. When you think about the disciples, and you know, I think it could potentially have been controversial when those disciples just walked off. They walked off the job and said, we're going to follow Jesus. I can just kind of see their prayer. What are you guys doing? Don't you know you're, 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 you're messing you with your income. You're messing with your future. You're messing with our family. But they say, no, you got to understand something. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't care how controversial it may be. He's the Christ. He's the Son of the living God, for goodness sake. It's inherently controversial. And even more so. As the days move on. Whew. Number five. Hey, I'm going to get you out of it. It's in, oh, let me just say that it's highly inspirational. Everyone say highly inspirational. Even though it is controversial. Even though it is, con- uh, you know, uh, uh, confrontational. When you start following Jesus Christ, Your life will liven up in a hurry. There will be an inspiration of God come upon your life and it will inspire you. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Uh, turn over, turn over to Luke chapter 10 with me just for a moment. He's, 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 uh, he's sending the disciples and out into the harvest field and he begins to share with them. He says, the harvest truly is great. Verse two, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He said, go your way. And he begins to send them into the harvest field and give them instruction. He told them a lot of things. Heal the sick, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Hey, and in verse 11, the very, uh, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, there's some controversy. They don't receive you. Uh, 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 he says, go out in the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come to you. So he sends them off and they come back and it says in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy. Somebody say joy. 
In other words, they had gotten inspired when they started following Jesus. They got into the flow of it. Listen, if you're living a boring, drab, kind of mediocre life, start following Jesus 24-7 and you'll find something out about when you start obeying Him and walking with Him and living for Him that things will begin to liven up in your world. And they came back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in Your name. Whoo! Somebody go, hallelujah. I can tell when people are not really following Jesus. You know how I can tell? And that would be somebody, no, pastor. I can tell when people aren't really following Jesus. You want to know? It's not very deep. You want me to tell you? It's not a secret. You probably already know. You look at them. And you can tell they're not really following Jesus because what do they look like? They've been baptized in pickle juice. Am I right? I came to tell you. Hey, it's not always easy. But listen, when you start following Jesus and He starts moving through your life, you'll begin to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. And it'll begin to bubble up all inside of you. And you'll begin to see that, oh my goodness gracious, God is so good. And when I start following Him and serving Him, He will step up for me. And He will show out for me. And He will show up for me. And even the demons will be subject to to me in your name. Woo, I about blew out a flip-flop right there. That's what, hey, think, go back to John 6 when everybody left him and he asked, are y'all going to leave me too? Something on the inside of Peter had been inspired. Where in the world are we going to go? You're the one, listen. You're the one who has words of eternal life. You're the one who spoke into my life and, and, and life to me by the power of your word. For goodness sake, where else could we go? Following Jesus 24-7 is primarily relational, personally transformational, but also blatantly confrontational and inherently controversial, but whew, highly inspirational. The number six, the sixth Red letter fact about following Jesus 24-7. It's contagiously motivational. And that's what Beverly was talking about. About our effort and our energies this month and really all our life. Because when you follow Jesus 24-7, you want to tell other people about Him. You are motivated with a contagion of the, of, of the, of the Christ life inside of you. And, and in fact, you, you need to realize that, uh, G, in fact, Jesus said in his first real message to his disciples in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. What were he saying? You're the contagion of this hour. And, and if you'll be contagious and you'll let your light shine, the world will see your good works. And they'll glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, your life will be motivational. You'll begin to influence other people because of the light of God on the inside of you. Acts 2.37, I love this. Peter, who we're talking about him on 
Wednesday nights. And if you haven't been to our uh, Pilgrim's Progress class last Wednesday night, was just a marvelous time of the Word of God in our life. I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, it's painless. It'll help you, I promise you. Uh, and Peter, who was, was the first, one of the first recipients of the follow me uh, directive, he stands up on Pentecost Sunday, full of the Holy Spirit, and begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with great power and authority, full of the Spirit of God, and thousands heard. And here's what they said when, when he came to the, the conclusion of his message. They, it says, when they heard this, now listen carefully. This is where the Holy Ghost comes into your life. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, you become contagiously motivational. That's what happened to Peter. He gets up and preaches the Word of God, and it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, pierced deeply it means. And they said this, what must we do to be saved? Following Jesus 24-7 is contagiously motivational. And some of us need to look at our life and say, is my life motivating other, people's to, other people to follow him? Other people to say, what, what must I do to have the life that you live? Listen, we gotta, we gotta examine ourselves and say, Lord, I want the kind of life. I want to follow you to the degree that others see the walk that I'm walking and say, I want to go the way he's going. He, his life is making me hungry for his life. When's the last time someone looked at your life and says, you make me hungry for his life? Following Jesus 24-7 is contagiously motivational. And finally, it's evangelistically supernatural. Everyone say supernatural. A lot of people wonder where the miracles are today. I think they're out in the harvest field. Most people think the miracles are just for the church folk. Hey, how many of you believe in miracles? How many of you believe God's... How many of you can say God's done miracles in my life? Amen. But let me, so we, so there's no controversy there. God's still in the miracle working business. But when you look at his ministry, yeah, it's, it's, it, his miracle ministry, uh, is evangelistic and influential. In fact, he said this to the disciples, uh, in Luke chapter nine, verse one. He said he, and it says he gave them authority, power and authority over the devil to do miracles and heal people. As they went out into the harvest field. Listen, I believe the power of God will back you up out in the harvest field. And you'll see the miraculous power of God going to work in your life. Most of us say, I need a miracle. Hey, go be a miracle to somebody else. And you'll not worry about your miracle. God will take care of you. Hey, I'm not saying it's wrong to ask God to do something in your life. But if you want the supernatural power of God begin to flow through you or to you, it first needs to flow through you. you got to let it keep on going to, the, uh, to a world that needs Christ. That's why uh, uh, Jesus told the disciples and told those first, that, that first century church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Everybody say, upon you. You'll receive what? Power to be what? My witnesses. Not power to have Holy Ghost Church every Sunday. See, a lot of people think church is a cruise ship for the saints. They come to church and just have a fun cruise, all inclusive. Ooh. Hallelujah. Flip-flop Sunday. Ooh, Jesus. I feel it. I feel it. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. 
Come on, say, I feel it. Come on, help me. I feel it. Hey, it's not a cruise ship for the saints. It's a fishing vessel for sinners. And he said, if you want the power of the Holy you wait for the promise of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, come upon you, and you will see power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And it was supernatural power, and we see it, and we saw it, and we ought to be experiencing it day by day. It's a Jesus journey. It's an exciting journey. Yes, there's some things you got to give up. Yes, there's some things you may have to lay down. But, oh, it's so worth it. Amen. When you compare this life to that life, who cares about this life? Amen. Come on. It's learning to follow him 24-7. That means every hour of every day. That puts you on call 24-7. That means that you have a relationship with Him 24-7. That means that He may want to use you at any time of the day with people along the way. You want to have some fun times? How many of you want to have some fun times? You get sensitive to the Holy Spirit out in the world. You get out into the world and you just say, Holy Spirit, use me. And he'll start using you with strangers. And you'll start making a difference in people's lives. Get the Holy Spirit on you. Walk into Walmart and prophesy to somebody. Don't scare them. Don't go, I say the Lord in Walmart. They'll haul you out of there. You spark up a convo with somebody and just whirl around to them and just say, you know what, I feel led to pray for you today. I won't do it here in public. I don't want to embarrass you, but what's your name? I sense God wants to touch your life. You'll just be shocked at how many people desperately need somebody to care about. It's evangelistically supernatural. Amen? Whew. It's contagiously motivational. Oh, yes, there's confrontation. Oh, yes, there's controversy. But oh, what a relationship we have with Christ. Amen? Let's stand up together. I want to pray for you today. Hey, good news. Flip-flop Sunday. I got four minutes. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've kind of flip-flopped back and forth in your relationship with church and even God. You have some insecurities and some reality in your life that says, I've never really made a decision to follow Him. You may be a Christian. You may have given your life to Christ. You may have believed and He may be in your life and come into your life but you never really started the Jesus journey with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you say pastor that's me I just have to tell you I don't think I've ever really begun to follow Jesus and today I want to just begin this journey with him 24-7 
And I want you to pray for me. And I, and, and I need your prayers as I begin this journey. I want to I I dedicate my life. I want to do what Matthew did. I want to do what these disciples did. I just want to go all in and follow him 24-7. If that's you today, you're ready to make that commitment to Christ. Something on the inside of you says, yes, that's me. I want you to lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Today, I'm just giving my life to follow him 24-7. Anyone? Amen. I see those hands. We're going to pray together. If you're here today and you're, and you're endeavoring to follow him, but you need, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you over some hurdles in life in following Christ. You, you've been flip-flopping in a couple of areas, and you can say, Pastor, I'm tired of flip-flopping on this deal. I, I want to quit looking back. I want to serve him all the days of my life. I don't want to look back. I don't want to go back. And you're struggling with that right now. If there's some people struggling with that, that issue in your life, you want to go forward, but there's some things tugging you backward, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Where, where are you? God bless you. Amen. Amen. I want us all to lift our hands to God, even if you're uncomfortable doing it. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to get out of your... Hey, it's a little, this could be controversial to you. But let's lift our hands to Jesus. It's a sign of surrender. That's a sign of sacrifice. I'm laying it down for you. And I'm going to lead us all in a prayer today. And I want us all to pray this prayer together. You that lifted your hand and said, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm on my on this Jesus journey. I want you to pray. We're all going to ask the Lord to help us. Let's pray out loud together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on a cross and for paying for my sin with your blood. I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you that you rose again the third day so I could have a new life too. I believe you did that for me. And I've come to know and believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I yield my life to you. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. I don't want to flip-flop. I want to stay strong in my relationship with you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for living on the inside of me. Everybody say amen. Now I want to pray for those who are struggling in some areas of commitment. Lord, I thank you for the power of Jesus here today. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you give us grace to give up whatever we need to give up to go wherever we need to go, to do whatever we need to do. And I pray for those who are struggling, who lifted their hands. I pray for them right now, Lord, that you would just empower them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, under the inspiration of the Word of God that says, follow me and I'll transform your life. Follow me and things will begin to change in your life. Lord, we turn to you as the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we follow you today. And we lay down the controversy of our, our inconsistencies and our, our struggles and our self and we Lord lay our lives down and we pick up our cross and we follow you today in Jesus name everybody said amen let's give the Lord of glory some praise this morning and thank him hallelujah Woo!